Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Network Show. That's right, folks. I'm going to stop trying to figure out whether it's a Paracast or a Potoscope. It's a show. At some point, there'll be some new medium that I don't understand, and it'll still be a show. Anyway, I'm Noops. I'm Alex. I'm a lot of different people. Joining me, as always, you can see him. He's playing on his phone instead of paying attention, all the way from <laughs> sunny California. How you doing, Spread? Oh, yeah. Speaking of sunny, you know, you guys always get the weather breakdowns that you don't care about. We haven't had rain since April. I was supposed to have rain today, and mm. all I've had is clouds. I mean, it's just like, I'm like, can some water fall from the sky? So that's my breakdown from California. Fingers crossed. And jumping back, I, I can't, is this your first or second time for this year? But I know you've been, been here with a couple times before, joining us all the way from Sweden, the other side of the world, basically for spread. Snies, how's it going, buddy? It's going well, thank you. My sleep schedule is uh, beyond messed up, but uh, <laughs> at least there's tennis on. There's tennis to break down and discuss, and uh, we're in the home stretch now, really. After the ATP Finals finish, well, we'll have some some stray challengers in that random 125 KWT event they always run in the middle of December. But yeah, end of season, and then we're looking to 2021. Well, much to the surprise of everyone, we're not going to be talking about women's tennis today. We're not even going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about <laughs> men's tennis, ladies and gentlemen. I know this has generally historically been a women's tennis podcast. A lot of it, frankly, has to do with me and my general detest of a lot of the men's game. But I'm going to try to grow up and be an adult, and we're going to drag spread into men's tennis, and Snize is here to help us. So let's jump in. We've got the ATP finals. Now, we are in the era of the big three, but I was interested to see the last three ATP finals have not been won by Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, or Rafa Nadal. Can either of you name me the last three ATP finals winners? No cheating. It was Aguirre Dimitrov 2017, Severa 2018, and it was Tsitsipas last year. I was floored to see that Dimitrov won the freaking finals in 2017. That was the name that stuck out to me. I remember Tsitsipas last year. That was fun. Zverev the year before, but I was interested to see Dimitrov. Then you go back before there. It's Murray, Djokovic a whole bunch of times, some Federer, somebody named Davidenko snuck in there at some point. I don't know. I guess Novak or Roger or Rafa were taking the year off or something, but it's a fun event. We've got round robins here. The top eight players Novak Djokovic, Daniel Medvedev, Alexander Zverev, Diego Schwartzman, Novak Djokovic. All right, I said that twice. Rafael Nadal, Dominic Team, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Andre Rublev have been split into two groups. We have Tokyo 1970, which again is Novak, Medvedev, Zverev, and Schwartzman, and then London 2020, Nadal, Team, Tsitsipas, and Rublev. And since you're a person that knows things, Snize, do you have any idea why they chose Tokyo 1970? Um, I'm guessing it's some sort of commemoration. Uh, but I actually haven't looked into that. I just thought that, hey, maybe they're trying to be funk with the names. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Hey, and while we're asking Snide's cool questions, I think that's an interesting fact you brought up at the beginning there, Noops. Um, what do you make of the fact that the big three have pretty much dominated all the Grand Slams but then haven't had success here in London? Uh, do, you, do you have any reason that you think that that's happening or – so quickly, I jump in to answer the Tokyo question. I think that's where it actually started. It looks like the first ATP finals were in 1970 mm -hmm. in Tokyo. So that has that. All right. There we and, go. Um, you know, I'll just jump in a little bit. I think because it's the end of the season, I think you have a lot of fatigue here. I think maybe historically there isn't as much um, importance put on the finals versus the slam. So maybe you see the uh -huh. big four kind of um, take the foot off the gas here a little bit. But sorry to cut you off, Snize. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense, though. 50-year anniversary and everything, that's probably why they uh... – why they put those titles. Um, but I think it comes down to a couple of factors. Uh, as you said, it's usually fatigue. It's the last event of the season. Uh, the big three, they've been gunning, like fighting it out for, for the big slams, the big masters titles all year. 
they're obviously older too now, uh, getting up in the years. Uh, you know, Federer's close to forty. Uh, Djokovic and Nadal thirty thirty four. So they're getting up there in in in, in the years. Uh, Nadal has always struggled to stay healthy for a full season. It's been rare that he's been healthy at this time of year. Uh, hard courts just really really straining for his body and his physical play style, especially his knees. Uh, last year he was here, he played, but he had an, uh, an abdominal strain that he played through. So he was injured here last year as well. Um, and uh, just, I guess it comes down to motivation too. I mean, this is for, it's a lot of money. It's $8 million in, in the prize pool, but it's still kind of like a glorified tournament uh, for, for the big three, I would say. To them, they're... they're gathering up the historical accolades, they're fighting for the all-time all slam records, and this uh, tournament matters. It's a lot of money, uh, it's still pride, it's records to be collected here, but I don't think that they place as much importance on it uh, as the younger guns do, who have a great opportunity to actually try to beat uh, the big three here, which has happened a couple of times now throughout the years. All right, that's, that's a good breakdown. Now, like I mentioned, we've got a round robin format, which is a lot different than what we're used to seeing. You know, usually we have the bracket every week. What do you guys think? I like the round robin. I like the idea that we get a chance to see everybody play each other. Maybe not every week that would be a great thing, but do you guys have any opinion on the round robin versus the bracket here? I personally like it, especially when we do it on the women's side too, because you can't you don't get just ousted on a terrible matchup uh, right off the bat. You know, a lot of times that's what we do in the net worth pot is all bemoan one of my favorite players getting you know an absolutely terrible draw and that just doesn't happen you know even if you grab Djokovic or Nadal or whoever you're trying to avoid in the, the very first match you know you have a chance to come back and win the next two so I think it's great on a limited basis obviously uh, not feasible to do every week but uh, for an event like this I really think it adds some prestige. How about you Snyze anything to add? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. I love it. It's kind of, uh, as, as Spread said there, uh, it's a rarity, so it's always nice to see it. Uh, it eliminates, you know, getting shafted by the draw, drawing, uh, so I have some lesser-known player just draw Djokovic in the first round, but all right, see you later, mate. It's uh, been a good <laughs> run, but it's, it's over. Uh, and here you actually have a chance to redeem yourself from playing a terrible match, and you also have to prove that you have the consistency uh in very, very slim margins to go through the group stage. Kind of reminds me of, you know, the World Cups, kind of like the World Cup of tennis with the round robins. Uh, so, yeah, I like it. Let's jump into the groups. We'll start with Tokyo 1970. Again, Novak, Medvedev, Zverev, and Schwartzman. I'm looking at Bovada right now. Again, folks, one of the things we always like to remind you, whatever odds we say, double-check all your outs. Look at all your books. Prices are wildly different. What I'm seeing here is uh, Novak's the favorite, minus 150 or 1.67, if you will, in decimal odds. You've got Medvedev plus 275 or 3.75, Zverev plus 400 or 4 to 1, and then Schwartzman 11 to 1. Um, we'll go through each individual match here, I think, in just a second. But if we start kind of from that 1,000-foot level, and I'll start with you here, Snice, what do you think about those prices? I mean, it probably makes sense for Novak to be the favorite. But like you said, and we just talked about, maybe the big three don't really – not that they don't care, but they may not be as laser-focused as normal. Do you see any value in some of the other names, or do you even like that price on Novak? I mean, that, that might be pretty short. Uh, yeah, it is a short price, uh, but I do have to say he is the warranted favorite. I think, personally, Novak Djokovic, uh, some people may have seen him tank in Vienna. Uh, he lost, got obliterated to Lorenzo Sonego in Vienna, and that's one of the worst, if not the worst, loss in his entire career. I've never seen that from Djokovic. You just checked out from the start 
uh, lost that match 6-2, 6-1. But I think that had to do with him having secured year-end world number one, which was one of his biggest goals. And he's like, well, see you later. Uh, But coming into this finals, he is chasing records. Uh, If he wins this year, he'll tie Roger Federer for six ATP finals titles, which is the most. He'll pass the likes of Ivan Lendl, for example. Uh, So there's plenty of motivation coming in for Djokovic. Uh, He should enjoy the the fast conditions. We usually have fast conditions here. Uh, The the CPI has been over 40 for uh, the last few years I have data for. Uh, We're indoors, right? Yeah, we're indoors. Indoors O2 Arena in London. Uh, so it should be quick, should be rapid, and uh, that should uh, play well into Djokovic's hands here. Uh, he has a pretty good group. Uh, Schwartzman, he's 5-0 against him head-to-head. I don't really think he's going to have too much trouble there. It's going to come up against Alexander Zverev. Uh, it's going to be a pretty tough matchup. And then Daniel Medvedev is also going to be a pretty tough matchup. So I don't know. It comes down to three men in this, uh, in this group. And... Uh, I don't know. I think the, the prices feel about right. It wasn't really anything that stuck out to me in this group. Djokovic should be favored, but uh, the likes of Daniil Medvedev, who won the Paris Masters and coming into this in great form, uh, could well be a threat. Zverev could also be a threat in this format. Uh, it's always the best of three, which means that an upset is more likely than it would have been. Uh, this is not a slam setting, so it's uh, easier for uh, uh, the lesser known or the lesser known, the non-big three players to... Uh, to bring an upset here. So I think they also look about right. There was nothing that really stuck out to me here uh, in this group. Uh, I do think that Djokovic goes through from the group, but I'm not sure if he wins. It might be enough for him just to come second. That kind of depends on what happens in the other group. You could see some tactics come into play uh, because the the number one faces the number two of the other group. So perhaps you don't want to win the group. You can avoid some other big scary name in the other group. So there's a lot of things that come into that. You make a great point about trying to position yourself late. The only number that looked a little off to me is Vera four to one. Um, I, I was surprised that that was so much shorter. I'm sorry, so much um, of a better price than Medvedev. I kind of thought Medvedev and Zverev would be pretty close here. Um, you know, Medvedev, I guess, coming in a little bit of form is maybe driving that price there. But these are great conditions for Zverev, who's a pretty good server. So I'm looking at maybe Zverev four to one to win this group. I don't know if I like the four to one. I might hunt around and see if I can get a little better number. I don't know if either of you are seeing a better number on four to one on Zverev. But spread. What are you thinking about this group? How do you see it shaking out? Yeah, so that's what I was going to talk to you guys about. It's funny, the um, plus money one that jumped out to me was actually uh, Medvedev coming off his, um, I mean, decisive victory against Varev. I know that he dropped the first, uh, but he looked pretty good finishing it out there. Um, And I think it's a great matchup for him. And I also think that, um, you know, both of the, the, you know, historic players, Djokovic and Nadal, drew players that maybe you know, style matchups is not the best for them. For example, I think that teams, the t- toughest matchup for Rafa of these eight and, you know, Medvedev is, is the toughest matchup for Djokovic. So I was actually considering the plus 275 on Medvedev. Um, what did, did you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that he continues his form here or am I just being a little uh, recency biased? Uh, I think he's primed for a great tournament uh, this year. Last year he came in, it was his debut, uh, but he was burnt out. He had made six consecutive yeah. finals throughout the year, and he was running on fumes at the end right. of the year. So he really couldn't give himself uh, a fair showing uh, last year, which he will be able to do this year. And he found he was struggling this year, but he found his best tennis at, in the nick of time. It really comes in here 
as the informed player uh, to me to go with Andre Rublev. They are the two form players to look out for in this uh, in this draw. Uh, so there are a couple of ways of playing this here. I actually prefer betting Medvedev outright as opposed to his group because again, you don't need to win the group necessarily to uh, to make it through. And I do doubt that he's going to be able to beat Novak Djokovic twice in the same tournament uh, because they could well be facing off uh, in the final. Uh, so I actually prefer the plus 500 on Medvedev outright because I do uh, feel that he's going to go through this group here. And he has favorable matchups across the board, really. Uh, he's 2-1 to one on uh, two and one on Sverev now. He's won two of the last three. And that head-to-head is really swinging in his favor. I think these fast conditions is going to do his game a lot of favors. I don't think Sverev is good enough in the baseline uh, to be able to hit through Medvedev, which is really what we saw in, in the Paris Masters finals. He just, apart from a big first serve, he couldn't really do anything from the baseline. I think Medvedev has something ridiculous, like 67% of baseline points won against Sverev in that match. And, and Sasha is a fantastic defender. Uh, so getting back to that Sasha number again, uh, I think it's tough because again, Medvedev has kind of turned uh, turned the tables on him. Uh, the Schwarzman head-to-head is actually tied two to two to two, and Schwarzman has himself said that he prefers uh, faster conditions because it helps his serve. He's only uh, what's that five foot seven, I think, in, uh, in yeah. apparel. He, he's very very he's one of the shortest on tour, and his serve is a liability. But on faster courts, that that does help him. So that's going to be a tough matchup. I wouldn't have him favored against Zverev, and I wouldn't have him favored against Djokovic either. So, uh, uh, yeah. So my thoughts on this group, I do think it's Djokovic and Medvedev. Uh, and, I mean, based on what I said earlier, I guess I actually do... Uh, I could endorse a Medvedev ticket because, again, it's not necessarily uh, a guarantee that Djokovic wants to win this group. He just maybe wants to secure uh, getting through. And I'm fairly sure, certain that Medvedev will get through this group. And uh, on that basis, you're, you're getting plus 275 on uh, whether he wins or whether he comes second. So actually, I do think that's a decent price. Uh, may yeah, actually it, jump on that. I was just looking at the heads-to-head. It's nice to see Medvedev has actually beaten Novak twice. Um, he beat mm-hmm. him in Cincinnati last year and Monte Carlo last year. Now, Monte Carlo is on clay, and Cincinnati's outside. But Cincinnati's a pretty fast court. I don't know if you can quickly pull up the CPIs for Cincinnati snipes, but I'd be curious to see if it's just as fast, even though it's outside. I, I know everyone talks about how fast it is. And then you look at the finals last year. I mean, Medvedev took a, the second set off him, 7-5. So that's pretty impressive. Zverev, same thing. You know, you look back. Um, Zverev beat Djokovic in the Tour Finals in 2018, but it was 6-4-6-3. That just kind of shows me that maybe Novak wasn't kind of engaged that day. It's hard for me to think, or maybe Zverev was just fantastic. It's hard for me to see see Zverev beating him in two sets like that easily, but... I might actually look at maybe just a little bit on both. And I think you make some good points about Medvedev. He's a little more competitive. Um, Zverev, you're right, the baseline game could be tough for him here. But I wonder if he can just kind of serve bot his way through this. So I might even sprinkle a little bit on both, do the uh, Dutch, if you will. Nice. All right, let's go through some of the matches. We don't have prices for everything yet, but let's start with what we do have prices for. Novak Djokovic, a big favorite, minus 625. I'm not even going to try to convert that to decimal against Schwartzman, plus 470 or 5.7. Um, looking at the spread here, I am seeing Novak minus five games. The total's right around 20. Any angles from either of you guys in this match? I, you know, Again, I think I'm probably looking dog or pass here, given the pricing, but I don't know if I feel great about Diego against Novak indoors. How about you guys? Yeah, no, it's a terrible matchup for him. I this is actually my the one that I'm least excited about getting involved with. So uh, I'm going to completely stay away from this match. How about you, Snyder? 
Uh, just to wrap up the, the thoughts on, on the outrights and group markets, I haven't actually gone through the bets uh, that I have placed uh, for this <laughs> tournament. We could probably start with that before we get into the uh, into the matchups here. So I've actually right. gone with uh, the Russian duo here. Uh, I've gone with Andrei Rublev and Daniil Medvedev. They are the form players coming to this tournament. Uh, I believe Rublev in particular has a fantastic shot at winning his group outright. He's won back-to-back tournament titles now. Uh, he's really, really taken his game to the next level in all aspects. Uh, he was really vulnerable on his second serve uh, in earlier years. His temperament wasn't there, but he's just putting really <laughs> solid work. The last two years, he was outside of the top 100, and now he's in the best eight in the world. Uh, so a lot of progress there. I think his baseline game has improved, while his serve has now become a massive weapon. He's not quite at serve bot levels, but he... Uh, I think he won 90, over 90% of his first serve points throughout his last tournaments here. So he's been extremely difficult to break. Uh, and if you look at the group, uh, he's in the group of Stefanos Tsitsipas, who was uh, reeling physically in his last few tournaments. He hasn't looked physically up to uh, to speed. And I think he might just have a, a pretty poor showing here. I think he might be ready to check out of the year. Do we know who fills in for him if he actually withdraws? Again, I don't know how bad he's hurting, but um, if he steps out, do we know who the next person in is? I'm looking on the website to see if I can find it. I don't see anything. Any yeah, chance it's going to be... Top of your head? Yeah, let me just pull up the race here. It's going to be uh, the next man up in case of the race. Uh, so that would be Matteo Berrettini stepping in. Oh, wow. In. Uh, I would not have picked that name. What did... Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, so maybe let's yeah. let's jump into, into the London group because you like Rublev there. So you know, let's instead of before going to match match, let's just finish up the outrights here. The London group we've got Rafa, Dominic team, Stefano Sitsipas, Andre Rublev. Like you said, Sitsipas not looking physically great. I personally have found team to be in pretty poor form the last couple of weeks. I think that he was a little hurt after the U.S. Open and is maybe trying to get back into shape a little bit. <coughs> Rafa again looked okay in Paris, but um, as we start to look at the odds there again to win the group. Rafa's plus 137, team plus 225, Rublev plus 275, Sitsipas 6-1. to one. Spread, what do you like there? We know that Snize is on the Russian. Are you joining him, or do you have another thought? Yeah, well, Snize, uh, for when you tweet that out, I'm going to have to send you the picture of Ostapenko with uh, Rublev and Medvedev. That's my fantasy football. Uh, yeah, I love that picture. Uh, picture. like 12 yeah. or something. Yeah, so you can uh, definitely uh, tweet that out right. So, yeah, I think this is a tougher one. Um Two of the players that I really like backing here are um, not coming in their best form, and that's Nadal. I didn't think that he was necessarily 100%. I think the quicker courts have been tough for a guy uh, with the precision um, that he needs, and I just didn't see that, uh, especially against Verov, against Paris. Um, you know, it wasn't the Rafael Nadal we're used to. And same with you, Dominic Team. I so enjoyed his um, victory. I know that, you know, uh, there was lots of, of uh, people being upset about the quality of the match. But I tell you what, I had so much fun watching that match. And my parents called and said the same thing. So I don't necessarily think we need to see top, top quality tennis for it to be enjoyable. Um, but regardless, it does speak to the fact that team uh, does have a tendency to run himself down and doesn't look 100% here. Um, so I love uh, him going with Rublev here because it seems to me that of the four players in this group, that's the only one that's really in form. Um, it's too bad since the best might be my uh, my favorite just as a fan, but uh, the form that he's coming in is really tough to back, and I think the price accurately uh, reflects that. Uh, yeah. Right, so, guys, nice. Yeah, so uh, uh, just 
circling a little bit back on on team there he uh has been struggling with a foot injury he was struggling with that injury against rublev in vienna which really hampered him physically in that second set because first set was tight it was a seven six win for rublev and then he just fell away so he's still still struggling uh he picked that up uh, all the way back at the us open he hasn't really recovered since so he's coming in poor form uh which is a shame because he's really improved this hardcore game in the last few years as as we've seen by finally getting his first Grand Slam title uh, at the US Open. Uh, but he is uh, in unsure condition physically. And Rafael Nadal, I was not impressed at all with what I saw from him in Paris. He was laboring every single match. He could have lost all of his matches. He fought through on you know grit determination and typical uh, big three manner. He really should have lost to uh, Pablo Carreño Busta. Uh, had him on the ropes. Uh, finally managed to to get get by in three sets, and then he was just absolutely demolished by Sverev. And uh, these faster courts really don't suit his game. This is too fast for Nadal uh, for him to actually have success. Uh, he hasn't made uh, even a semifinal here in years. He has never won this tournament in nine attempts. So this is a very very poor uh, hunting ground for Nadal. Uh, so I think it's just straight up, straight up wrong that he's favored for this group, considering he's been in poor form. These conditions do not suit his game at all. And he's in a group with, you know, big service, big hitters that can hit through his defenses in these quick conditions. So, yeah, definitely like Rublev to win that group. And uh, actually, I like him to win that group. I do like him to win outright as well. He's actually the longest price out of the the really big guns that I, that I fancy here. He is uh, plus a thousand to, yeah. to win the tournament, uh, which I think is just off i think it should be in the same price range as medvedev who's plus 500 i think it should be around that range that's where i would price them so i think this price is off so i'll be taking rublev to win uh, and i'm also on medvedev to win uh, at plus 500 so we got the russian duo plus 275 on both of them to win the groups and then we got plus thousand and plus 500 on on the outrights for them respectively yeah you hit the nail on the head i love that rublev outright price why he is worse odds than Dominic team or even Zverev and, and not closer to Medvedev with how well he's been playing and how well these conditions to suit him is beyond me. I love that 10 to one name value, right? Mm. I can, you're right. I, I think that is a lot of what you're seeing in the Rafa team pricing. I was surprised that there wasn't a little more in that in the Sitsipas pricing, given that he's the defending champion, but again, maybe he's not that big of a name yet, but love that Rublev plus 275. I'm all over that. What do you think spread? Yeah. I mean, I think this one's so much more clear cut than the other group. Um, I think, you know, just Rublev, I don't see value on any other player here. And, you know, if we're wrong, we're wrong. But, um, you know, take the form. And, the I mean, you have one guy that seems to be 100% and the other three that are struggling um, with injuries. So, and I don't know, is it Nadal injury or fatigue? I'm not sure. But like you said, that's not the, the player that we're used to seeing um, that we watched in Paris there. And so... Um, and congratulations yeah. to anybody that had Spreads Cat shows up on the show on their Network Bingo card. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you can cross that off. Uh, take a shot, if you will, if you're playing the Network Drinking Game. Um, <laughs> but that's good. So we're on board there. We like Rublev to win his group. We like Medvedev to win his group, both of them outright. Again, I might sprinkle a little bit on Zverev to win his group. Um, anything else is sticking out to you guys? I think we covered all these angles. Again, we think Novak might win, but we're just kind of – working our way around that. And again, we're not playing outcomes, folks. We play numbers. And the numbers here look really nice for Rublev. Who do you guys think will we'll sneak in on the second one, right? So we all think that Rublev is going is going to advance for sure. I think it's probably Rafa. 
if Sitsipas is healthy, this is actually a pretty good court for him. He seems yeah. to have played well here the few times he's come. I mean, again, he won it last year. Um, but I just – I don't think that he's in particularly good shape. I don't know. Maybe team will just team his way through it. But I, I guess I would have to say Rublev, Rafa, if he made me pick. Yeah, yeah. I also say Rublev, Rafa. I think that as both team and Sitsipas are struggling physically uh, and Nadal – he looks healthy, but he's far from his best, uh, and the courts don't suit him. He's going to struggle uh, to make a big impact. But even still, he was able to win two matches last year when playing with an abdominal tear. Uh, so you, you, it's tough to pick against the big three, not making the semifinal when the, the other two are, are ailing. Uh, but if team proved to be healthy, maybe you can bet this in play. But if team shows up and he's healthy, I definitely like team to uh, progress along with Rublev in this group. Uh, hey, right. and the second one, Djokovic Medvedev. Yeah, I think Djokovic Medvedev too. All right, I think that covers everything from the outright perspective. Let's try to blast through some of these matches. We have lines on some of them. We'll try to make them up for the rest. Let's start here. It looks like on Sunday, the first matchup, we're going to have Dominic Team against Stefano Tsitsipas. Pretty closely lined, minus 133 for Team, which should put it right around, I think, like 1.7675 maybe. Um, Tsitsipas plus 112 or 2.12. Um, Anybody have some action here? This is, again, this is a really tough match for me. I kind of want to go over here. I'm going to see what the total is. My guess is it's like 22, 23. 23 and a half on Bookmaker. Man, maybe I'll just pass on this one. Any angles from you guys here? Uh, yes. Uh, so as I've discussed a little bit in the past here, this is a quick surface. Uh, CPI over 40. Uh, tie breaks uh, plenty have been uh, a factor in this tournament. Let me just pull up my stat sheet here. I like where uh, I think you're going. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And if you guys First follow me on Twitter, at Snice, yeah. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter at Snice Master, you've probably seen uh, that I'm going to get uh, you a ladder, like a little tiny ladder you can hold up. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. As I call them, the ladders, the first set overs. Uh, I've been spamming them for for months now, and they've uh, <laughs> been insanely profitable for me. And I see quick courts, I see big servers, I see tie breaks, uh, and the first set overs is going to be a uh, uh, a near lock for me in every single match here, I think. Uh, so just pulling up the stats here, uh, last year was actually a record. Uh, eight out of the 15 matches saw at least mm. one tiebreak played. Uh, the set one over nine and a half games cashed in 11 out of 15 matches, and the set one over 10 and a half games cashed in nine of the 15 matches. And uh, uh, if you've been following along with the prices, you usually get a pretty good price. You'll get plus money on the over 10 and a half. You'll get even even better price on the tiebreak. And you'll get something like in the minus 140, minus 130, minus 120 range, depending on the matchup in in the, the nine and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing over look, 10 minus 110. So mm-hmm. I guess it's over nine and a half is going to be like minus 150 or 1.67 ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I think you're right. You'll have plus money everywhere else. And I'm trying to see if I can find the tiebreaker score, total number of tiebreakers, minus 107 over 0.5. I'm going to look for a better price, but even at minus 107, I think I'm playing that. And that's, you know, either set. So I like what you're looking there. Uh, yeah. So this is just, it, again, it's very tough to see in what kind of shape they are in physically, but these, this has all the ingredients of just a tiebreak riddled match and uh, probably a match that goes the distance as well. Uh, so just looking at them, both are quite big service. They have quite a lot of velocity on, on the first serve. Uh, they can reach the 140s miles per hour without problem. Uh, both employ single-handed backhands, which is a huge factor because it makes returning that much more difficult. Uh, both are players that like to step into the court and dictate 
uh, the pace when they're given the opportunity. And with a big first serve into a single-handed backhand, they'll get plenty of short balls to attack. Uh, and they played here last year, actually, which is a, a great point to bring up. And it was a uh, 6-7, 6-2, 7-6 victory for Tsitsipas. So two tiebreaks there, including a first set tiebreak. And unless one of them just isn't fit physically, I, I struggle to see how we're going to see many breaks in this one. So uh, the, the first set ladder, the ladder for me, and uh, the over two and a half sets, probably not a bad look. Uh, I'd prefer that over the 23 and a half because that you, you'll need tie breaks or three sets anyways. So you either bet the first set over or you bet over two and a half sets. That, that would be, those are going to be my looks on this one. Yeah, over two and a half sets, I'm seeing plus 123. That's the Unibet price or 2.23. Um, I'll stare at that one. I love that over half tiebreakers, minus 107. Anything to add there, Spread? Uh, so if I put you guys on the spot, obviously we're not going to gamble on it. But if you guys had to choose a side in this one, which way would you guys lean? It's a pass. Uh, team. All right. Why would you guys go? Why would you go go each way? Simple. Team brain. I'm taking Tsitsipas. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll definitely appreciate uh, that. that. That is a fair argument. That's that is it. a fair argument. Uh, but I used to think that team with his uh, hardcore development in the last few years uh, has just grown a, a lot on me. I think he's more solid off the backhand wing. He has a good uh, defensive slice. Uh, Tsitsipas, I've, I've looked into his te slice technique and uh, Usually he's going into the tennis hit, but when you want to slice, if you're a right-hander, if you want to slice, uh, you want to stand on your, uh, you want your right leg to be the leaning leg. And then this is my right arm, by the way. It's not well, that trying visible. To, trying to spread our knows how to do this. He's a professional yeah. tennis player. Yeah. Uh, but you want to stand, you want to have your right leg being the leading leg. And then you want to kind of sweep through it with the right hand, like kind of chop it up. Uh, but Tsitsipas often leads with his left leg, which means that his slices, uh, defensive slices, uh, either Sky you just pop up really high, or they go long, or he loses control of them. Uh, so he's really easy to pressure on on the backhand wing because he struggles a bit defensively there. Uh, he has uh, some technical improvements to make, and I think his team is overall. He's, he'll dominate the backhand to backhand affair. I think he has a better single-handed backhand. I think he's uh, apart from the team brain moments. I think he's more solid mentally. He's finally gotten the pig or the monkey off his back with uh, a slam title. And if he's fit, uh, I definitely do lean team there. I think that the matchup does favor him uh, slightly. It's going to be close, but uh, definitely going with the team. But then again, yeah, I wish it's, hard to, it's hard to say physically, so we'll see. I wish they were both healthy. This would be a ton of fun to watch. And I love the point you made about the slice, because I think having a good slice is actually really imperative to beating team as far as he likes to hang behind the back um, the back line there. But he makes some good points. But yeah, I... I'm kind of a Tsitsipas fan. I like the way he plays. I think that he takes a really creative approach and is always attacking and finding new ways. I like the variety in his game. So, again, it's it's pretty much a coin flip. I think the market has the price right here with team just slightly favored. If I had to pick somebody, it's Tsitsipas. If I get up early enough and I'm watching this, I might throw a little coin on Tsitsipas, but just for funsies. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do one thing that I think the Tsitsipas could have an advantage is I think he might be able to hold – a little easier, I think. Snice brings out a great point on being able to attack that backhand side. Um, but I just like Sitsipas to serve a lot, and I think the court conditions might favor him slightly. Plus, I'm really discouraged with team as far as the injury. I mean, has Tennis Twitter done this yet where they've um, gone ahead and, and just 
photoshopped his face on the Maytag repairman because the guy doesn't take a day off. I mean, um, and I think that he might be really worn down at this point where Sitsipas, I know that he was struggling, but I think some of it's mental and he just seems to be that kind of guy, like a, a baseball reliever that can, can just kind of flip the switch really quick and, and forget about his past struggles. But um, not really interested in getting involved on a betting angle. I think that I will be tailing Snies on that first set ladder. Uh, and then hopefully that cashes and I just sit back with some money in my account and, and enjoy the rest of the match. So, But I do think it's, it's a fun one to try and um, guess or pick sides on because I do think it's a fascinating matchup. And, and like Noob said, if they were healthy, I mean, it would be must-see TV. But uh, as it is, it could be a blowout if one of them isn't 100%. We see talking toy there in the comments. He seems to think that the team issue was just blisters, so maybe team will be okay. Fingers crossed. I there. think it was more I than that, wasn't it? I just keep waiting for someone to develop some sort of tennis shoe that won't get blisters. So maybe <laughs> Chong will be able to have a career again at some point. I don't know. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about that guy. It's beyond me that, that we can't figure out blisters. Sorry, at this Kelly. Point. <laughs> Either way, let's move it on. Rafa Nadal against Rublev. Pretty similar pricing here. Nadal minus 132. Again, right around 1.75, I think. Rublev uh, plus 114 or 2.14. Now, Snyze, I saw that you tweeted out a pick here on Rublev. So I'm going to start with spread, actually. What do you think here, spread? We know that Snyze likes Rublev. We just spent all that time talking about how great he is and how, you know, Rafa isn't necessarily great in these scenarios. But I'm going to force you to bet here, Spread. You got you got your money in your hand. You're at the window. You have to take Nadal or Rublev. Are you really going to bet against Rafa Nadal? Yes, I am because I watched those Paris matches, and I actually took him against Varev live thinking that he was going to turn things around, and I just didn't see it. Uh, he's struggling um, on the return because a lot of times against a lot of these players, he can be on the offensive right off his very first return, right? And it's like almost like he's, he's switched – and he's able to take advantage of the court position. Not seeing that at all. And I think that I'm, I'm not, I could be wrong, but this is even quicker than that Paris court, which is pretty fast, right? So uh, I think that's a really tough one for him to overcome. I think this is the worst matchup for him in the group. So I'm going to grab the plus money here uh, with Rublev. All right, Snize, we know that you've got Rublev at plus money. Break it down for us. Why were you so excited to jump? Uh, yeah, I got Rublev at plus 119, and I think this price is just off. I think it, it should, this is a, a typical scenario where we got the name uh, that's being priced and not actual ability, performance, form, uh, and matchup. Uh, so right now, to me, breaking all the, all these angles, I have Rublev at uh, minus 140. I have him as quite the strong favorite in this matchup. Wow. Uh and that's because, as Spread alluded to, Rafa Nadal was just not good in, in Paris at all. And uh, uh, he was struggling off the backhand. Uh, both his slice backhand and his regular backhand didn't really have the same bite that he, that he usually has, uh, which really uh, pushed him back in a lot of baseline routes. And we wasn't used to it. He was unusually... Uh, he was heinous even, by his astronomical standards. And he was inconsistent. Was, which was mm -hmm. what really threw me off was that he was beating himself on certain points too. And they were big points. Mm -hmm. And that's just, we never see that from it all. Uh, sure. You know, you may always miss some returns, but it was just, he skied some really easy second serve returns. He was just inconsistent with his back and his forehand. And the game just didn't look all put together for him. And the Paris masters, the center court is actually very slow. Uh, the outer courts are quick, but the center court is super slow. And what we saw that, in, in you know slower conditions that would be more suitable for him than we have here with some blazing fast conditions. 
Uh, so I just really think he'll struggle. Uh, Rublev has the firepower of both wings to absolutely tear Nadal apart from the baseline. If he's given time, Nadal often drops short uh, with depth. This court isn't going to take his big topspin that well, meaning it's not going to jump up high. It's not going to be that difficult for the opponents uh, to... Uh, to uh to counter that which is usually is on a slower surface than on clay as we all know uh and um yeah with his return being that poor too i struggle to see how uh, you know the patented rafa breaks are going to come rubles first serve is going to be extremely difficult for him to counter and uh i just see the superior player in superior form right now, that is Rublev. Uh, he has defensive firefire <laughs> hit through the Nadal defenses. Nadal has never really done well in these conditions. Uh, I don't see how that changes here. What speaks against Rublev here is inexperience. This is his debut. Uh, but as we saw last year with Tsitsipas, uh, who won the tournament off his debut, that may not matter. I think he's solid enough mentally. He has enough self-belief. Uh, and I think he should be favored here. So I'm on Rublev here. Sorry, folks, for the cough there. Getting over a little bit of a head cold here. Don't worry. No temperature, no body fatigue or injury or pain. So hopefully it's not the COVID. I guess the only thing I'll say about Rafa is we know that over the break he wasn't playing a lot of tennis. And although he looked really well on clay, I wonder if that lack of play we're going to start to see more in hard courts because, you know, that's where he starts to feel weird. I think that's where he has less experience and. Although he had a great French Open and looked really good, I wonder if, again, that lack of practice, that lack of form over the break. Because if you watch a lot of his stuff, he was very open and honest about not playing tennis, trying to focus as much as he could on helping his community and doing everything he could to support them. So I wonder if you're starting to see some of that those cracks really develop because he is a big practice player. So I like the Rublev look here. I think at plus money, that's that's a great look. Now let's stay in this group. We don't uh, have one more point about oh, Rafa as well as, as we're transitioning over to men and, and you know net worth. We're going to be doing a lot more men. I'm going into 2021. One angle that I think that – right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you for clearing that up. Um, but uh, one angle that I would do – that's a problem. Like, not like a, a boxer like, you know, uh, Chavez Sr. or, you know, a fighter that takes a lot of hits. I think Rafa's game style has been rough on his body, and he might be older, um, right, than Federer was at, at 34. Uh, with the amount of miles that he puts on his body and the way that his game uh, runs. And I think that we might also be seeing um, some of that. I mean, it, he needs to be uh, in, in peak condition. As you get above 34, 35, it's so hard to maintain that. And when you're not just serve bodying like Federer and just making, you know, beautiful shots and, and ending points in, in, in three shots, um, it's going to be a lot harder on him. So I wonder if his style is going to be tougher for him um, to advance into the later stages of his career um, than some of these other players. And I think that the, we might be able to start taking advantage of it right away. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Just uh, adding to that point, he's been uh, an advocate against playing hardcore tennis, playing as much hardcore tennis as the tour does for years because it's such a punishing surface for the limbs, mm -hmm. uh, for the ligaments. And he's had several knee injuries uh, and he's, he was at a streak uh, like a few years ago. Last season was the first season I remember Rafa Nadal was fully healthy for almost the entire season. I, he had a streak where he withdrew out of 21 straight or withdrew or retired out of like 21 straight hardcore tournaments. It's a real, real struggle for him. And as Spread said, he's a big practice player. Uh, Paris was his first uh, hardcore, indoor hardcore tournament in a year. And uh, it's going to take Rafa Nadal is, is, is kind of a player. He takes time to get up to speed. And uh, I do wonder if 
the stre his strenuous playing style is going to see him uh, do a lot worse on, on fast surfaces as, as the years roll on. Now, I thought of a fun exercise here. Now, we don't have prices for all the round robin matches yet, and we don't know the order, and a lot of that is going to play into um, effort. It's nice talk about when you get towards the later matches, if somebody has a big lead, has won their first two matches, maybe they're a little less focused in that third match. So keeping that in mind, let's try to go through and maybe offer the folks some hypothetical prices. So we just talked about Rafa versus Rublev. What would you guys make Rafa versus team? Personally, I think I'd have Rafa probably around like minus 150 or 1.67. I feel like he's deserving of being a little more of a favorite than he is over Rublev. What do you think, Snice? Yeah, I'd, that's pretty much spot on with, with my projections as well. I would I would name Rafa the the minus one fifty uh, favorite there. I think uh, if he's healthy, he has a good matchup against Team. Uh, he has the defensive skills. He has the physicality to to match Team from the back of the court, which is few players really can do. He's one of the fittest, absolute fittest men on tour, and it's just really grueling playing Team. Uh, he can handle the big topspin. He can handle. Uh, uh, his offense, and uh, he's super consistent mentally. Uh, and uh, so I do think that Rafa should uh, should have an edge there. Uh, one thing we have to keep in mind in this year's edition, though, is that it's being played behind closed doors. Where there will mm. be no fans, which is usually a huge factor in the favor of the big three. I wonder if that uh, lack of fans factor can help mitigate that gap that we usually see a little bit more. Uh, so that could be worth uh, keeping uh, keeping an eye on because the Rafa Nadal, especially, he's a big crowd player. He loves his vamos in the crowd, <laughs> cheering and getting himself fired up. And it's harder to do that without the fans roaring and and, and being in your favor. Uh, so definitely something to keep an eye on there. What do you think, Spread? If I hung Rafa minus one fifty, team plus one thirty, you take on either side. I'd be trying, probably trying to look at team here, um, assuming that we saw that. Um, he is healthy, um, just a younger player, and they do a lot of things the same. And I think that the only real issue I had, and Snipes brought it up, is the mental edge, right? Um, if it is really close, um, you know, it's really tough to take a, a team o over Rafa because I think the mental edge is just huge, and obviously that's not going to degrade. Um, but I'd probably, I'd probably be trying to grab the plus money here. Um, but this is going to be tough. I mean, I think both these players are going to be players that after the first match and depending on how they look physically, we could be completely reevaluating. Um, for example, if team comes out and looks a hundred percent, you know, I think that he's a threat to win the whole thing. Um, but if we see some of those same issues that we saw in Vienna, or if we, you know, we see Rafa having the same issues in Paris that they, they get downgraded so easily. So, uh, obviously we'll be watching the first match beforehand, but, uh, I might be tempted to take some plus money here if I do see a hundred percent fit team, because I think that some of Rafa's issues aren't necessarily injury. I think that they're more just being worn down from playing that style of tennis for so many years. If talking tour is right and team's issue is really just blisters and he's recovered, there could be some value there. Now, Snice, mm. you're running a book. I've got some Bitcoin deposited. I'm going and I want to bet on Rafael Nadal versus Stefano Tsitsipas. What numbers am I looking at at snizebook.com? <laughs> snizebook.com. I like that. Uh, well, again, this is difficult to say considering the, the physical uh, status of, of Tsitsipas. Uh, but I would say that... Uh, Tsitsipas actually like more than team against Rafa, which is weird to say considering team is probably the player that's had the most success against Rafa. He's won five matches out of the uh, out of the uh, fourteen that they've played. Uh, 
uh, and Tsitsipas is one in six against Nadal. Uh, but I kind of like Tsitsipas' game against uh, against the big three. He's a big game player, and that's what, what we saw uh, last year. He actually he wasn't in you know amazing form uh, off the back end of the last year either. But he came here, uh, big game player. He loves playing these really really high profile matches, and we usually see him elevate his level as a result. And that's exactly what we saw here last year when he gridded down Rafa in three really tight sets. And I think that he has a massive edge on serve. Nadal has improved his serve. That's one of the things uh, that he's actually improved with with time. He's uh, more capable of serve running now than he was in the past. Uh, but Tsitsipas, I think, has such a huge edge on his serve, especially now that Nadal's return doesn't seem to be what it used to be. Uh, that's going to be really, really tough for Nadal. Uh, to hold at the same clip. I'm expecting plenty of uh, easy free points on serve for Tsitsipas, uh, which we won't see to the same degree with Nadal. And I think that will be the difference in a really tight contest. So I'll probably say uh, somewhere in the minus 140 maybe for Rafa, somewhere around that's there. Ex- that's exactly what I had, right? Right, minus 140, which again, I think is like, 1.71, maybe 1.7, mm. maybe 1.69. I forget. It's somewhere right around there. But this, I, I, I couldn't agree more. If I had to, you know, I think you're right. Sitsipas goes kind of right in between team and Rublev there, which is, like you said, kind of funny to say. But I think Rafa has had more experience playing team. I think those 14 matches give Rafa a lot more information. And I think what Sitsipas does well actually hurts Rafa. The fact that he can serve, the fact that he's going to, you know, be able to hold points there, whereas you know, team might just botch a couple. What do you think, spread? You know, again, you're going on snizebook.com. You've got Rafa minus 140. I'm assuming that Snize is going to be okay with the juice, so we'll get plus 120 or so on Sitsipas there. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think I would try to take Sitsipas here. This is another chance where I'm going to try and fade um, Rafa Nadal, who I think is coming in really off his name and not necessarily off his. Um, you know, current form or, or things like that. So, um, you know, this isn't clay anymore. And, you know, you take Nadal off of clay and he's not that historic player anymore. I think he is just uh, one of the guys. And I just think his dominance on clay is kind of overshadows that. So uh, any chance I can get to get plus money with, with a good server like Sitsipas, I'm going to be trying to take that. So uh, I'd be jumping on the Stefano side and, uh, I think also, uh, I'm like you, I really like him. I, I would love for him to just become, you know, one of the next really big players on tour. I think it would be great for the ATP. I like what you said. It's nice. He is. He's a big game player. He seems to have that temperament, that right mindset to be able to stay calm when everything else is crazy. Now, we've covered all the Rafa Nadal matches. Let's go through team. We talked about team Nadal. We talked about team Sitsipas. That leaves us team Rublev. I would have Rublev favored there, probably in the minus 125, minus 120 range, 1.8 or 1.83, if you like decimals a little better. Snize, I saw you nodding there. Does that sound about right to you? Uh, I'd say minus one fifty, really, Rublev. Oh wow, uh, wow! I do, I do have him as, as quite the strong favorite against Team in current. So you'd have form. him a bigger, so you'd have Team a bigger favorite over Rublev than Nadal is over Rublev. No, no, I had Rublev as a favorite versus Team. I'm sorry, right, right. I was going off the market numbers. You're right. Okay, so when you start to look at your numbers, then it seems like Rublev, you know, based on your stuff, should be the favorite to win this group. So you like Rublev a lot mm-hmm. here. So again, I, I, you know, I would have Rublev around minus 125, but you like him even better at minus 150. Uh, so sorry to cut you off there again. Just wanted to make sure that I was understanding what you're saying. Mm-hmm. 
keep going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, big, big, big difference there. And and I think we saw a lot of this play out in the in the recent Diana match. Again, team was struggling a little bit, uh, a little bit physically. But it's just Rublev uh, could find ways into the into the team serve uh, just much easier than than team was able to to really put a dent on the Rublev serve. Uh, his first serve is now humongous. His second serve isn't a liability. Uh, he's as good as anyone from the back of the court. He has an absolute missile for a forehand. Uh, and he can also hit hit it deep, uh, hit it varied, and it's just very, very difficult to avoid running into that sledgehammer. Uh, like usually uh, a few years ago, you could target the Rublev backhand because he was really just huge forehand, a little bit weaker on the backhand wing. So you could kind of just like spam his backhand and backhand to backhand rallies, trying to get him to 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 coax errors. But he's really improved. Uh, his resurgence on clay uh, has really shown that. He made obviously the quarterfinals of the French Open. He won Hamburg. He's really improved on clay. So it's difficult to grind him down uh, while he just has that massive, massive weapon. Uh, and uh, whilst team is able to you flatten out his backhand, his one-handed backhand, he is uh, slightly less consistent. I think Rublev handles his slice well, uh, which is one of the weapons that he has off the, off the one-handed backhand. Uh, and overall, I think he's a slightly better server. Uh, I think he has the bigger weapons from the back of the corner. I think he's able to hang with team uh, in the prolonged baseline rallies. Uh, and just with how well he's playing right now, I really love his mental game too. So. Uh, I do have to say that everything is he's just puts him a little bit higher than Tsitsipas team, sorry, in most uh, of the categories I look at. Uh, so I would make him a fairly strong favorite. All right, Spread, you're running your own book. You're a little bit late to market here. You go to snizebook.com, you see Rublev minus 150 over team. You go to betnoops.com, you see that Rublev is only minus 125 over team. You have to set a number. Which one of those two numbers make more sense to you? Probably the minus 125. I think this is the toughest uh, match in the group for uh, Rublev just because I think the theme can grind him and go ahead and kind of put him in positions where he's uncomfortable. I think that the longer the rallies go, um, you know, I think that gives team an advantage here. And uh, it's really who can impose their style. If Rublev can make this a bunch of quick points and, and hold serve easily, uh, you know, obviously team would be in a lot of trouble. But if he can grind, make him have some problems on his service games, um, you know, and then go ahead and, and hold on his own, um, which it, it's, is a tough task in, in its own. But, um, you know, I kind of think that this is an interesting matchup for team. Obviously predicated on his health. Um, that first match we are going to be watching and taking notes, not necessarily on strategy, not necessarily on on the strokes and the way they're doing it, but just how how is he physically. And if he's 100%, you know, I might be looking that this is the match that can kind of trip Rublev up in the round robin. All right, let's jump into Tsitsipas matches. We talked about Tsitsipas Nadal. We'd have Nadal as a favorite. We talked about Tsitsipas team. We'd have team as a favorite, but I think we like Tsitsipas there. We did not get a price for Tsitsipas Rublev. Snize, what do you think there? My guess is you've got Rublev favored. I would yeah, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, is this the, I, biggest, I favorite, is this the biggest favorite so far is the Ooh, real question. Yeah. Because I think go. he's going to make him That's a, a good question. favorite. What do you think? Yeah, again, that kind of is pending uh, Tsitsipas's physical condition, uh, but mm -hmm. I do have to again, obviously, put down uh, put down Rublev as as the favorite here. But actually, not the biggest. I say oh, wow. that okay. uh, probably is a, a pretty pretty. Hmm. 
I think I'd have Rublev favored. I, I think that I would have him favored, you know, but I'm you know again you're, you're right. We have to see how Sitsipas looks. If if he isn't looking great like we kind of expected, I think you could see Rublev as much as minus one fifty here. Um, mm-hmm. But if Sitsipas is in form, I think it's really close. It might even be as much as like minus one twenty plus a hundred, or, or even you know kind of even both ways. So um, that's probably what I'm going to say. I'm, I would probably say it's around the same. It's a, it's a similar matchup to to team though though Sitsipas has a slightly bigger serve. I'd probably put him uh, minus 140 if Tsitsipas isn't really, you know, looking spectacular. But if he's healthy, it's probably minus 120 ruble. It's going to be, it's going to be close. All right, so I think that we covered. And, and every- my real guess is that Snyze is going to have the ladder on that match, right? Oh yeah. I mean, does oh, that yeah. just seem like the most ladder match out of the whole? Ladder thing? it up. Yeah. Automatic. Double or automatic. Triple ladder. Quadruple yep. ladder. Yep. Mega ladder. I can't think of anything that starts with L. Be nice <laughs> All right. I think we covered everybody in London. Again, we think that Rafa should be favored over just about everybody except Rublev. We like Rublev as a dog there. Team should probably be a dog at just about every match. Um, Sitsipas, kind of the same thing. And Rublev, we like. We think he should probably be a favorite. All these lines pretty close. Again, I think the deepest line we had um, you know, was Rublev minus 150 over team, something like that. And everything else was a lot closer. So let's jump into the Tokyo group. They start play on Monday. Novak Djokovic minus 667 against Diego Sebastian Schwartzman, a fellow Sebastian, folks. And I'll let you figure out which one of these guys is Sebastian, although I think he just gave it away. Um, let's look at the spread here again. The money line's really tough to attack. Novak minus five games, the total right around 20. I would really like to bet the over there, but uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Any angles here on Novak Schwartzman? Novak, a huge favorite. And, and he's rightfully so, and I don't really have much except for I want to ask Nice, why is this such a tough matchup for Diego? Like, what what is the reason that we basically, I mean, almost just write it off as a W and move on to the next match? As you're talking, uh, I'll pull the head-to-head. Yeah. Uh, it's 5-0 so, to zero if I remember right. Yeah, it's 5-0 to zero yeah. to, in, in Novak's favor. So the thing with Diego Schwartzman is his entire career, he's he's called in, uh, in, in Argentina as El Pec, which means uh, the small P, I think. Uh, and he's just five foot seven. That's the shortest in the top 100 together with uh, another player. I can't quite recall who it is right now, but it's, he's, he's sharing that spot. Oh, it's Nishioka. Uh, there's, those two are the shortest in, in the top 100, which means that he doesn't have a big serve. Uh, he'll never have a big serve. So his uh, serve is always a lot more uh, vulnerable than, than any other player on tour. And what he's... Uh, compensating that weakness for is uh, spectacular consistency and grit from the baseline. It's warrior's heart. He never gives in. Uh, he'll, you'll never see Swartzman fall. He'll play until the match point has been won by the opponent. Uh, and it's just his defense, his court movement. He's also proven to have some pretty good hands at the net. Uh, but the problem when you face Novak Djokovic is just... He's you, but he's better in every single aspect of the game. <laughs> right. So everything that Swartzman does well, all of his strengths, this, his consistency from the baseline, his grit, uh, his defense, uh, and just just everything, Djokovic is just better at him. Plus, Djokovic has actually a good serve, a solid serve, which gives him a lot more free points. Uh, it will be a lot more pressure on the Swartzman serve, especially since Djokovic is the best returner in the history of tennis, in my opinion. Uh, better than Rafa. Better than Rafa, uh, definitely. Rafa's return isn't his big strength. I'd say it's his first ball after the return. Uh, mm. It's when he gets the ball back, 
he gets a rally ball that sits up pretty nicely and it's the devastating forehand that he steps in that that's his big shot uh just return quality return alone i'd say djokovic is definitely trumps him uh all right uh, so yeah so we like Djokovic to win this match. Any way to attack it? I mean, are you guys trying to lay five games here? Djokovic 2-0. I mean, even that's going to be pretty juicy at minus 667. It's just I don't like any of these numbers. Yeah, I'm just going to pull up some numbers and see what, what, we're, what we're being given here uh, for this. I haven't actually looked beyond the money minus line. Minus five and, the, and the yeah, minus five. Let me see. The 2-0 price on Novak is minus 185. So it's it's pretty juicy there. Um, let me see. That's actually we, not as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, the two zero might be an okay parlay piece. I just don't know if I like two zero against somebody like Schwartzman, who's just going to absolutely give you everything he's got. You know, maybe you look at like a Novak alternate spread. Let me see what some of the alt spreads here look like. So you could go Novak. Novak minus five and a half is plus one fifteen. Minus six is plus one seventy five. So if you think Novak wins comfortably, maybe those are decent angles. Uh, what do you think, Snyder? Mm. I think my bet would probably be the under here. I do think it's going to be Djokovic in straight sets. And if you're betting on Djokovic in straight sets, it's really just the question, yeah. you know, how, how big is the margin of victory going to be? With a, a minus five, you're going to need a 6-3, a 6-3 victory. Uh, you'll push on a 6-3, 6-4 or, or something along those lines. Whereas with the under, uh, the under is 21 here, slightly juiced. You can also get a pick em line uh under 20 and a half. Oh, you got 21. Just, That's nice. Yeah, you'll just need a break per set and not for sets to go long, which really is hasn't been the case in the history of this matchup. Uh, Djokovic will usually step it up, heighten the intensity. Uh, even if he hasn't broken early, he'll heighten the intensity at, you know, 3-3, three, 4-4, three, four, four, somewhere there. He, he puts in the shift, he gets the break, and then he gets the set. So I'd probably say this is probably like a 6-4, a 6-3, six, uh, win is probably what I have it down for uh, as Novak Djokovic. So I do like the under 21, under 20 and a half, and that's that's probably going to be where uh, what I'm betting for this one. I think that's a nice way to attack that. Uh, next up, Medvedev, Scott Zverev. Medvedev minus 139, Zverev plus 118. You know, Medvedev a small favorite there. What do you think, Spread? Does that seem short to you guys after watching Paris? Even though he dropped the first set, I, it just felt like, I don't know. Just felt like Medvedev was in complete control of that match. That seems a little short to me after what we saw in Paris. Am I being overreactive because of recency bias, or would you guys agree? Uh, I wouldn't say it's short. I would say it's more about right. He actually opened minus one two two on on Pinnacle, and it's moved mm. a little bit in his favor. So the market has adjusted slightly from the Paris Masters final, uh, which I think is correct. I was on. Uh, he opened plus one oh seven in that final smash. I hammered Medvedev. action. Uh, and he won. And I think uh, he should be favorite. He should be the large favorite. And it's because he showed in that final matchup exactly why he is a machine from the baseline. He just was not missing. He grinded Zverev uh, to the bone uh, physically and mentally. Uh, outside of his huge first serve, the reason Zverev even won a set because was because he had a whopping 83 three percent first serves in in the first set uh, so he basically lived off his humongous first serve and was able to get plenty of free points off of that and then just a slight little wobble from medvedev and he pounced all over it broke and won the set that was really the difference in a really close first set. as i as i mentioned earlier medvedev won 67 percent of the baseline points which is just an outstanding number against a retriever a defensive player 
a grinder of, of serves quality. He's really difficult. That's really what he predicates himself on, a huge first serve and a backhand wing. Uh, often, which people give him credit for, uh, not credit, uh, critique him for, give him, uh, which people give him shit for, basically. Uh, his passive pushing style of play, when he has these big weapons, when he can step in and hit the forehand with when and when he can control points, he often doesn't do it. Uh, but Medvedev was just better from the back of the back of the court and i think outside of his big first serve Zverev doesn't really have a way to hurt medvedev in any extended rally i think he's going to get grinded down uh by the superior defender and uh unless he has a sky high uh first serve percentage like he did in that uh, first set of the final i don't see how he will be able to uh, to hurt medvedev then again it's a fast court he could serve by his way to a tie break and who knows what happens there uh, but I do agree that this is a fairly correct line at the current price. I don't really see a ton of value. I still lean with Medvedev to win. Uh, but this, to me, is, is an automatic ladder, and uh, I'll probably leave it at that. I like what you said there. I like you said, the tiebreaker word came in there. I'm seeing yes on a tiebreaker in this match, plus 108. I will be betting that. Oh, wow. One I, I, I think that that's a great line. There's a bunch of value there. I think we're going to see at least a tiebreaker here. So to get that at plus money, honestly, I, I'm surprised. You know, we said team sits a pass to have a tiebreaker was minus 107. I, I'm surprised that this is somehow less likely in the market. But I'll be playing both of those. I like that plus 108. What do you think, Brad? Any angles for you in this match? Yeah, I mean, maybe I do have recency bias. I thought this should have been like one minus 150. So I'm going to take uh, Mevedev even at minus 130, even missing the best price available. Um Snipes pretty much said it perfectly, um, you know, how unless he hits 80% in his first set, I mean, I don't think that, uh, I don't think, I don't see Zvera's real path to victory except for a bad um, performance by Medvedev. So uh, it'd be interesting. We got two guys that have kind of had problems lately uh, on social media um, with maybe some bad behavior being exposed mm -hmm. and, and <laughs> now we get to see them face off again. Indeed. All right, so let's go through the rest of the group here. Um, we talked about Djokovic, Schwartzman. What do you guys think about Djokovic, Medvedev? Again, Djokovic is probably going to be a heavy favorite in a lot of these matches. Although when I look at Djokovic, Medvedev, I, it's hard for me to make Novak Djokovic less than a minus 200 favorite in every tennis match, but this might be the spot. What do you think, Snyes? What are you looking at for Djokovic, Medvedev, if you had to line that at snyesbook.ag? Mm, yeah, so see, this is a tough matchup actually for Djokovic because Medvedev is one of the few players that can actually match Djokovic for an extended period of time uh, from the baseline. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, he's given him hell on the head-to-head -head lately, so Medvedev, mm -hmm. I think, has the confidence to win this match. Yeah, I'm just looking at what they've played. So they played this year in the ATP Cup. That was a, uh, a three-setter, a grueling three-setter that mm -hmm. Djokovic won. Uh, they played in uh, Cincinnati last year. Uh, that was a match that Medvedev won. Uh, he employed a very interesting strategy in that match, actually. He went, he wasn't getting anything done with his second serve. Uh, he won a ridiculously low percentage. Uh, I think it was, yeah, 42%. Uh, so he couldn't do anything on his first serve. So he resorted to what I call the curios and just doing double first serves. And he Love kept it. that up for two sets and it was able to get the win that way. It was a really frustrating match for Djokovic. Uh, he won against him in three sets again in Monte Carlo. And uh, I remember in 2019 at the Australian Open, uh, that was before his enormous breakthrough because that, that was last year. Uh, that was just the start of the year. He... Uh, 
tried to joke out Djokovic Djokovic. He tried to just grind him to a bone, and obviously it didn't work. Uh, but he was able to steal a out of Djokovic, and that was just the real first sign that, wow, that this is going to be competitive. Uh, so, yeah, I do have to say that I think this is going to be a very, very, very close match. Uh, I mean, if you look at the ATP Cup this year, it was uh, Medvedev was plus 137 in that match. Oh, wow. Uh, he closed That's a lot that of respect. Year. Yeah, and I think he does command that, that sort of respect, especially with the good form he is in. So I'd yeah, probably close say, shorter than that, right? Yeah. So I'd, I'd probably say I'd probably open this at plus one thirty, and then I mean, depending on how they've looked, uh, go with them there. But this this will be a close. Like he's been able to take us out, Djokovic, and all of his head-to-head matchups. This probably goes three sets again, over two and a half sets. It's probably a look I'll be looking at, apart from the automatic ladder uh, that's going to happen in this match. Uh, so yeah, this should be a very close match. Probably goes three sets, and uh, it's. Uh, a slight, slight edge towards Djokovic, perhaps, but uh, he'll have to be at his best, best level to avoid an upset. All right, spread again. Same question. You've gone to bet noops. You see that Novak is minus two hundred or one point six seven. You go to Snai's book. You see that Novak is only minus one fifty or one point six seven. I'm sorry. I think I said one point six seven. One point five. Anyway, spread minus two hundred, minus one fifty. What are you thinking? What number are you gonna hang? I'm I'm probably gonna hang the minus two hundred like you, and then I'm gonna bet the other way. I like Medvedev here. I think he's got the serve here um, to kind of mitigate that fantastic return um, that Snyze was talking about. And um, my one little joke or crack is that when Snyze mentioned Kyrgios, I too bad I didn't have it available. I wanted to um, flash the Obi Wan Kenobi meme on the screen where I said, that's a name I haven't heard for a long, long time. I, I forgot the guy. I forgot about the guy. So uh, that, that was a nice callback there. It almost feels like you're uh, referencing ancient tennis history now uh, mm. with the way things have gone. But no, I, d- I think this is the toughest match for Djokovic and his group. Uh, Medvedev's got that great serve and the conditions are going to allow him to maybe serve bot and get some, some easy uh, free games there, uh, which would uh, mitigate Djokovic's great greatest factor and that's his ability to return and and get the easy breaks so um i mean i I don't know what line i'm gonna hang but i'm gonna go to the noops book and i'm gonna bet medvedev there Uh, i don't like to hear that all right (laughs) against alexander zverev i would have novak a bigger favorite over zverev than i would have him over medvedev so again for me it's deeper than 200 snizer you nodding what do you think again you're hanging novak minus 150 over med what are you doing here for uh Novak Vera, what number are we looking at? Uh, I'm not good enough at the, the imperial system to 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 give it get a Novak Vera. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, give us the European. I'd, I'd, I'd probably give it a one, you know, one three six plus two hundred for Sverev in that oh, match. Wow, yeah. And so uh, one one point three is one point three three is minus three hundred. So you're at like the minus two fifty range. You've got Djokovic at a pretty heavy favorite. Uh, yes, I do. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. I think that's probably the accurate line, but again, as as the conditions are super quick, that it really depends on what we see from Sverev because he's also kind of a big game player. He does tend to elevate his game against the very best, uh, and he has been able to win this title in the past. Uh, but just based on uh, uh, historical performances, the matchup, uh, Sverev has a good chance, but still, I have to favor Djokovic pretty heavily for the win there. Uh, but depending on how it looks, it might be a spot where I bet Sverev. Who knows? Uh, but yeah. right now, I'd probably make Novak uh, a solid favorite. 
That's what I'm thinking. At the pricing we're talking about, you're looking at Zverev like plus three and a half, maybe even the Magic plus four. I would love Zverev on that game handicap there, I think. What do you think, Spread? Again, do you agree with us? We're looking at, again, around Novak minus 250. Um, does that sound about right to you, and how are you attacking this match? Yeah, I think it does, and I, I wouldn't even want to take the game handicap here with Zverev. Uh, my issue here is if I could you know, get in there and for somehow convince him to play aggressively, you know, I would like Zverev a lot more, but I think that if he plays that style, and to be fair, it worked in Paris, right? And and uh, I wish Steve was here so I could talk about my own game, but big serve and push up from the baseline. Okay. I mean, I it. used to do that all the time. There Huge you go. serve and then just push yeah. from the baseline. Yeah. Reminds me of Zverev, but it doesn't work, especially against a guy like Djokovic. I don't see how he's going to pressure him, and I think it could be another match where we see that huge lopsided um, baseline statistics because I think that when you allow Djokovic to basically you know, just dictate and, and become aggressive when he wants to without putting pressure on him, it's just going to be way too easy for him. Um, so... I think Zara's really going to struggle to break Djokovic here. And then as Djokovic ramps up the pressure there, uh, I think that's where we're going to see it go ahead and, and, and be a tough one. I'm, I'm not interested. I've been taking a lot of dogs here on this one, and this is one dog that I'm not interested in at all. I think that Djokovic rolls this match. Uh, I might be interested in the over 10 though, in the first set, because I think that it'll be a little while before uh, Djokovic breaks him down. Yeah, the reason I'd want this Zverev handicap, I'm pretty sure you'll see a tiebreaker here, so I would take that yeah. as well. Um, and that that could be a good way to look at it. Yeah, fast so, indoors, Zverev still has to serve. It's, it's going even if it's Joker, it's going to be difficult to break through. Uh, so definitely, if we can it get, does require so much, though. I mean, if he mm. if he has a game where you know he gives Djokovic three second serves, I mean that could, that could be enough for him to break through. Yeah. So. All right. We talked about Medvedev Djokovic. We talked about Medvedev Zverev. Medvedev Schwartzman, again, is you know trying to get a frame a little bit, like we said. The market right now has Novak minus 667 over Schwartzman. I don't see any reason to, to price it too much differently for Medvedev. Again, maybe it's minus 500 instead of minus 667. But for me personally, it's Medvedev is a huge favorite, no matter what number you want to pick. Snize, it seems like you're agreeing. Spread, what do you think? Is any reason yeah, I mean, Schwartzman could be competitive there? It's really too bad for Diego. I mean, that the finals is held here. This is the worst case scenario for him surface-wise. Um, even if he comes out and plays perfect, he's going to have a lot of problems um, because there's going to be so many service games where he's just not going to, regardless, you know, nobody's going to be able to return, you know. And, and so I really struggle to see Diego's path to victory here um, against a fully healthy Medvedev. And it, it comes almost to the, the Djokovic deal. Now, obviously, Medvedev's return is, is levels below um, Djokovic's. But the thing is, he only needs to get one or two games because it's going to be so hard for Schwartzman to break here, um, barring you know Medvedev just completely struggling with his first serve percentage. So I really think this is going to be a tough one to attack in any, in any uh, capacity. I think that you're going to see the four or the five, and I'm not going to want to lay it. I think the number is going to be 20 or 21, and I think that's going to be about right. So that's going to be another match that I don't think I'll be betting on. All right, Snize, we've got Medvedev as the big favorite. What are you thinking, though, when you're attacking the match? Again, the spread is probably going to be in the four, four and a half range, the total probably right around 20. Um, what are your angles when, when this match comes rolling around? Uh, so it's probably going to be the exact same strategy employed in, in the Djokovic match. I really don't uh, see you know, a lot of difference between the Medvedev game, the Djokovic game. They play a similar brand of tennis. 
uh, Medved has has the bigger serve to boot, so that's going to put even more pressure on on the Diego Schwartzman uh, service game. And I just see Medvedev finding a way to uh, to break, even if it, even if he isn't serving well. I think he's still going to be able to uh, to dominate on serve. Uh, I think in the the the, the Medvedev uh, Sverev match, he had a ridiculous low. Yeah, he only had a forty two percent first serve percentage in the second set against Sverev, uh, and yet still he won that set six four. Uh, so I just think that he will be able to hold serve, hold his own deal with relative ease, and he will find uh, one game or or several games where Sportsman will be under too much pressure, and he'll just break through, and then that will be that. So again, probably a six four, six four, six four, six three type of victory. So again, the under does appeal there. Yeah, I almost like the set unders there, maybe in, instead of the total under in case Schwartzman steals a set, but that's a great angle. I like that quite a bit. Um, covered all the Medvedev matches, Zverev-Djokovic we talked about, Zverev-Medvedev, Zverev-Schwartzman I believe is the last match we have to cover. You know, Again, I think Zverev is going to be a decent favorite. Now, I don't have it as big as the last two. I think Zverev is maybe like in the minus 200, minus 300 range. Again, we're talking about 1.33, maybe 1.4, kind of somewhere in that range. What do you think, Snize? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I'd probably say Lion Sverv uh, somewhere in the uh, in the minus 200 range, I'd probably say. Uh, he should be the favorite over, over Schwarzman just because he is just as good as greedy from the baseline, uh, but he does have the... Uh, the much, much, much bigger serve, and he has the the offensive weaponry the Swordsman lacks, which should prove to be the difference in this matchup. Uh, probably actually, yeah, minus 250-ish, because uh, they played recently in the Cologne final, and th- those were more, uh, those were better conditions for Swordsman, because that was that was as slow as mud in their hardcore, so in, in optimal conditions, really, as optimal as it gets on indoor hard for Diego Swordsman, it's very destroyed him, 6-2, 6-1, and though he might do better this time around, uh, I still think it's going to be a comfortable Sverev victory. So that's uh, a matchup where I'll be looking to to lay Sverev on the games. So it's probably going to be minus three and a half, minus four, and I'll be very interested in backing Sverev there. What do you think, Spread? How are you seeing that matchup? Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to take Diego on these matches. He just seems like the the, the tier between the top seven and then the eighth. And, and it could be the surface, right? I mean, if this was played on clay, I think that we'd be handicapping these matches a lot different and be giving Diego a, a lot of chances here. And he might be one of the underdogs we're circling. But under current conditions, it's really tough to back him. Um, so I'd probably be with Snyes. And then if I was Diego, I would be looking to try and be aggressive. Snyes mentioned his good hands at the net. I mean, he's got to do something to mix it up here. Um, because it's going to be hard to coax unforced errors out of Zverev, right? Because he'll push right with you. Um, so Diego's really got to try and do something to really, to really flip the script there. And I just don't know what he's going to be able to do on these courts. So uh, I think this is a really tough one. I definitely like the favorite here. All right, gentlemen, I think we've covered everything up and down, left and right, all around. Anything else to add here before I recap and wrap it? Yeah, let's hear it. Who's your guys' winner? Who do you guys got winning the thing? Who's holding the trophy at the end? Rublev. I'm saying Medvedev. Yeah, I kind of like Medvedev here, too. I think that this is going to be his time to shine. And so let's go ahead and take that one step further. So if it is Rublev or Medvedev, how do you guys think that um, – raises their overall like uh, visibility on the tour or popularity do you think it's a huge win for them or do you think it's just hey this is a nice check let's uh get ready for the australian open next year and try and make a name there 
think it depends what they do next year. I think if either one of them wins a slam next year, what you'll hear is people talking about winning the ATP finals was the step before the big step or something goofy mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, like we talked about earlier on, this isn't a huge event in the tennis community at a very popular level. I mean, you know, people like us care about it. It's interesting. It's a lot of fun. And I think it'll I think it'll matter a lot for both of them personally, especially if they get a chance to beat Nadal and beat um, Djokovic on the way to that title. But I think from a big picture standpoint, people will try to connect this to a slam if either one of them can win it next year. What do you think, Snice? Yeah, I think that that's just about right. I mean, we can compare this, we could draw parallels to the WTA finals and look at that as an event. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, it's a big, big check. It's a nice win. Uh, but in a, in a grand scope of it all, it's, it's still going to be the slams and it's still going to be, you know, the year overall number one uh, and the big titles that, that are going to carry more weight. So, again, this is probably be it could be a nice, you know, springboard uh, for future success. People are, oh, actually managed to be a big fee member. Well, let's see what they do next year. Uh, but, yeah, definitely. Oh, I mean, there's still obviously all the players here are at the very top of the men's game. It's still elite players we're talking about. They will have success. Uh, people should already be pretty high on them if they aren't already. I mean, Medvedev had two break points in the fifth set against Nadal to win the US Open. He could have won that title. And Rublev has gone deep in, in several slams as well. So these these are, uh, I mean, these players are the future. We'll see him deep into slams uh, plenty of times to come. So I don't think a win here uh, changes their stock dramatically. Just like, ooh, got to keep an even closer eye of them uh, in 2021. Uh, is there anything the tours could do to, to raise the level of these events? Or when Snyze is my agent and we're doing this podcast, are we still going to be talking about how nobody really cares about this event besides hardcore tennis fans? I don't know what you could do to raise the level. It's it's hard to you – know, the slams have been around forever, and that's how people measure historical legacy. Um I think, again, you just keep doing it. You make sure that it happens every year. You keep the prize big, and you make sure the best players are coming in. And maybe it'll never be quite the level of a slam, but it'll be like a half a slam. Well, they'll be like, they won six slams and two ATP. It almost feels like a Masters title. It almost Mm -hmm. feels like a Masters title. Hopefully it ends up being between a Masters and a slam. I think it has a chance to do that. But what do you think, Snice? Yeah, I'd probably see it. Just keep – I mean, a lot of these problems with – getting events to be more attractive to the tennis public has to do with tennis's problems in general as a sport that how inaccessible uh, the sport is to viewers it's really hard to stream you need several different streaming services uh, some events aren't streamed uh, there are you know uh, immaterial rights coll- colliding between all all the organizations that govern tennis i think uh, tennis overall just needs to to revamp and just make you know do one big organization, one big streaming service, just make tennis more accessible, more free content, stop blocking people on Twitter, sharing t- tennis gifts, because that's a thing. Uh, and then you just be able to you know, grow the fan base of the sport and then the popularity of any event will go up naturally. And I think that's truly when you, you can see this event rise uh, higher in, 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 in pedigree uh, than where it is right now. Well, thank you, everybody, who watched, who listened. We appreciate it. If you like what you heard, we'd love a rating and review. Just to recap a little bit, we love the Russians. We like both the Russians, Rublev and Medvedev, to win their groups. We like Rublev a little better to win his group than we like Medvedev. And then the prices for both of them to win the finals. Again, Rublev 10-1, to 1, Medvedev 5-1. to 1. We're big fans of both of those. I might talk myself into Zvera, but the longer we kept going, the less likely I felt like doing that. <laughs> so let's stick to the Russians. Again, thank you, everybody. Please, we'd love a rating and review. Follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod. Make sure you follow our wonderful guest, Snize, 
at Snyes Master. There's not an underscore or anything weird in there. I think it's just Snyes Master. Mm -hmm. right? Beautiful. And thank you for joining us. We'll be sure to have you back on again at some point. I know the season is winding down, but hopefully we'll get back sooner rather than later. Thanks again, everybody. We appreciate it. Go Russia. Have a good Good luck in all your ways.